Hello, my name is Joseph Ward and I am a contributor for Swag Her Magazine and I will be breaking down Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Where Do We Go From Here speech in honor of his birthday. Happy birthday, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Remember to like, comment, and share this video. On August 16, 1967, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. addressed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Where Do We Go From Here is the name of the speech he gave. I am breaking down the speech into seven sections, the introduction, the image of black America, the challenges we face, economic stability, nonviolence, communism, and its conclusion. So let's get into it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. began his introduction by asking the question, where do we go from here? To answer that question, we must first analyze the conditions black Americans existed in at the time. America was literally built upon the backs of enslaved African people providing free labor to white slave owners. The free labor led to white America having a 400 year wealth, education and resource advantage over black people. The wealth, education and resource advantage was coupled with inhumane treatment of blacks and systematic legal oppression. Dr. King mentions the institutional racism black Americans experienced when he states that black people were literally considered property when the constitution was being signed. He explained impoverished conditions, inequality, a maldistribution of essential resources needed to survive, and an education that reinforced the idea that white Americans were superior to black Americans. How do we move on from our uncompromising conditions is the question he is asking. After Dr. King articulated our oppressive conditions, he then speaks about us learning to understand our worth, our right to existence, how majestic our blackness is, and to always live with dignity. He also acknowledged that because black Americans were conditioned to see ourselves as inferior to whites, it would not be an easy job reconditioning ourselves, but it is possible, and it is our human right to live in a liberated, equal society. Dr. King explains how the American educational system used propaganda to create negative images and ideas of black Americans. We were taught that we were less than human. White Americans were taught that they were infallible and superior to blacks. Every word that is associated with blackness of any type is deemed negative. All words associated with whiteness are deemed positive or even godly. The same English language that was forced upon our ancestors was infused with negativity for black Americans. No matter how much information we consume, subconsciously we still believe we are inferior to whites. He quoted, The tendency to ignore the Negro's contribution to American life and to strip him of his personhood is as old as the earliest history books and as contemporary as the morning's newspaper. He knew that if we continued to be denied information about our history and greatness, we could be taught an alternative history that keeps us oppressed and depressed waiting to be saved by white Americans. He also understood that neither the Emancipation Proclamation or the Civil Rights Bill would put an end to white supremacy. To truly be free, we would have to claim our own liberation because our oppressors would not liberate us. Once we learn who we are and how great our blackness is, we become a formidable opponent to our oppressors.
One basic challenge Dr. King spoke of was black America's lack of any type of true power. Any positives that black America created was either taken or destroyed by white America. Not only are we powerless, but we're voiceless. It is difficult to change our conditions if we don't have the platform to tell others the extent of our conditions. White America is consistently making destructive decisions for black America. Dr. King states that true power is the ability to create social, political, and economic change. It forces your oppressors to submit to your demands. He understood that we must have power, but we also need leaders competent enough to seize power without compromise. If our leaders are only concerned with personal gains, most of us will continue to suffer and only a false sense of power will exist amongst those leaders. Dr. King goes on to explain how love and power are depicted as opposites but are truly one and the same. He believed that love and power can coexist and when they do coexist in a competent manner, we can have a society that sees equality as the norm. He quoted, Power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is power correcting anything that stands against love. With love, we can organize ourselves into a powerful people capable of controlling our own destinies, capable of protecting ourselves from our enemies, capable of gaining economic power capable of gaining political power and capable of building a progressive nation of black people. Poverty is the presence of economic instability and black America is no stranger to poverty. Dr. King knew that we needed economic stability, but our greatest enemy was white supremacy. Because we lacked power and resources, our economic fate was in the hands of a government that was not in favor of black America's economic progress. Our mission is to achieve economic stability. Once we achieve economic stability, we can have economic growth. With growth, we can be free from the clutches of poverty. To achieve economic stability, we must be able to create sustainable incomes. Sustainable incomes allows us the resources to enhance every facet of our lives. Dr. King spoke about how economic stability allows self-actualization to become more frequent among black Americans. He concluded this section by criticizing the American government for its frivolous spending on endeavors considered more important than eliminating poverty, especially when they actually have the funds to eliminate poverty. Dr. King was committed to nonviolence, despite any criticism he faced. He was very brilliant in his defense of his nonviolent stance. He started by analyzing riots. He believed that rioters held a self-destructive nature. For those who believed that a riot would bring about the necessary change they desire, he asked one question. What concrete gains have been won as a result? He believed riots only brought about minimal results and capable of improving the condition of black America. He criticized the thoughts of using violence to overthrow the government. He understood that a government aligned with its military and other armed forces would not be defeated by people who are oppressed and lack access to proper resources. He next analyzed white America's allegiance to its government. He also knew that as long as white America believed in the idea of America, 
they will be an internal ally if black America decided to overthrow the government. He took a realistic look at how black people are not valued in America and knew that if we decided to use violence to change our conditions, we would not succeed. Dr. King cemented his nonviolent stance when he quoted, For through violence you may murder a murderer, but you can't murder. Through violence you may murder a liar, but you can't establish truth. Through violence you may murder a hater, but you can't murder hate. Darkness cannot put out darkness. Only light can do that. He then ventured into questioning the unequal structure of America, asking how we can restructure a system with a built-in disadvantage. He asked, why are there 40 million poor people in the country so rich? He knew that capitalism partnered with racism would create rich people and poor people, and American capitalism needs to be changed. America sings the songs of equality, but inequality is truly what made America what it is today. To those who believe that Dr. King preferred communism over capitalism, he broke it down for them so it can forever be broken. He was neither in favor of communism nor capitalism. He made that clear when he quoted, what I'm saying to you this morning is that communism forgets that life is individual. Capitalism forgets that life is social. And the kingdom of brotherhood is found neither in the thesis of communism nor the antithesis of capitalism, but in a higher synthesis. It is found in a higher synthesis that combines the truth of both. He stated that war, racism, and economic exploitation were interrelated. Racism opens the door for economic exploitation, which leads to money that funds wars. He used a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus to explain how the soul of America has become more and more corrupt over the centuries and needs to be born again. Black people have been devalued so much that America sees us as objects or even less than an object. We have been enslaved, exploited, persecuted, oppressed, and dehumanized, all for the economic gain of America. He stated once again that it is time for America to be born again. He began this conclusion by placing an emphasis on black America having a need to be dissatisfied with our conditions in America. Our dissatisfaction will not allow us to become complacent and only search for a comfortable place within white America, but it will lead us to understand that we can create our own place in America. We will be dissatisfied until justice and equality is truly a part of the moral fabric of America. He reinforced that we will be dissatisfied until the system of white supremacy is dismantled. With eloquence, he expressed that our road to liberation will be a challenge. We will have to dig deep within and muster up the strength and endurance to taste the nectar of liberation. He reminded us that we're aided by a universal force capable of pulling down mountains. And we're guided by the forces of truth, love, and justice. He also urged us to remember that the moral compass of the universe will always point towards justice. He urged us to trust in the force of God, trust in our mission, trust in our spirit, and trust in our ability to overcome white supremacy and truly live in a liberated, equal society. Once again, I am Joseph Ward, a contributor of Swag Her Magazine, and this is my breakdown of Dr. King's Where Do We Go From Here speech in honor of his birth.